Tuesday. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening for the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship. Wrestling. Ladies and gentlemen, our first event of the evening is a one-ball match with a 15-minute time limit. There ain't nobody, there ain't nobody in wrestling who can make me quit. And that's the bottom line. Tuesday, wrestling. Tuesday returns to Under the Hood with Jonathan Hood on ESPN 1000 and the ESPN app. Glad that you're with me for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN 1000, the ESPN app, of course, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, the podcast. Glad that you are with me here. We've got a lot to talk about. We've got a lot of stuff that's going on from this past weekend in wrestling and a special interview with Brian Pillman Jr. of MLW. MLW has a big show taking place in the Chicagoland area at Cicero Stadium. Go to MLWTickets.com. But let's hear from Brian Pillman Jr. Then the other side... We'll talk a little bit about what's going on as far as the world of professional wrestling. But first, Brian Pillman Jr. of MLW right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Glad you're with us here for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here on ESPN Radio and, of course, the Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday podcast. John Hood with you telling you about MLW. It's finally here. It's coming to Chicago at the Cicero Stadium, MLW Kings of Coliseum, 7 o'clock start on Saturday. Get your tickets at MLWTix.com. We're pleased to be joined by one of the members of the new Heart Foundation, Brian Pillman Jr. He's with me, Jonathan Hood, right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Brian, as always, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for coming on the show. How's everybody doing today? Everybody's fine, man. How's life for you? How's life right now? How's life? Life's great. I'm just getting up, you know, in my in my usual routine of royalty, and uh, <laughs> getting some breakfast here. And I'm just getting prepared. Every every day is a preparation. Every day is a challenge and a trial to uh, get my body in shape and to get it recovered for the next week for the next. Uh, deal of business, and I think this weekend we got the biggest deal of business, and perhaps a long time in my career. Uh, we got a big deal coming up here in Chicago, which when you're in Chicago, it's it's time to deliver. You know, if it's, it's, it's the real deal, um, Chicago has the greatest wrestling fans in the world, which as we've seen after selling out Cicero Stadium, what two or three times already. Right. You know, it's just one of those things where it's big league shit. It's major league shit. Excuse my French. <laughs> it is. We can blurt that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, speak your mind, man. Speak your mind. It's the Dynasty Against the Heart yeah, Foundation. Major, yeah. Major league. It's major league wrestling. You're in the major leagues. I've always felt this way uh, about these opportunities and about this company. And the fact that they're giving away tickets... They're basically giving tickets out for free if they're only ten dollars. If it costs only ten dollars to come and see me and the Heart Foundation wrestle, then uh, something's something's right with the world because somebody's up there, somebody up there is giving out free tickets to these fans. And these fans deserve it because, like I said, they've been showing up and they've been showing out 
and me and Teddy Hart and David Boy Smith Jr., we are we are MLW. MLW is the Hart Foundation show. So if you haven't noticed that from the last few tapings, then you're living under a rock. It, you know, every time I watch you, I can see that you're having fun, Brian. You're having really a lot of fun in the business. How how much fun are you having being with the other members of the Heart Foundation? Oh well, you know, it's, it's just it's the perfect storm. We might we might even be having too much fun, you know. So who knows if we're if we're having too much fun because this company they put us together, they didn't know what to expect. They didn't know it was gonna take off like this. They didn't know the whole world was gonna go on its head, you know. <laughs> it was just what started off as a good idea, or perhaps a bad idea, quickly turned into the greatest thing that, that wrestling has seen in, in probably at least 10 years. There, so it's one of those things where you feel like you're making history every time you step outside the house. You know, you get in your car, you turn on, you turn on your, your car, you go to the show, or you go, you take the airplane, you fly in. And you get out, you get off the jet bridge, and you, and you get ready for your for your MLW tapings, and you're already making history. So it's just been a pretty wild ride. Uh, we got we got most of the gold in our hands, but Hammerstone, God bless him, he's the only member of, of, of the dynasty that I that I have any respect for because I've been in the ring with him. I've been in the ring with all three of them, mm-hmm. and he's the only guy that can really hold his own. He's the only guy that really beat me on his own merit, on his own physicality. And that's all right, you know. That's that's completely fine. I haven't been in this business long enough to claim that I'm unbeatable, to claim that I'm infallible. But at the end of the day, I know it's my destiny. I know that I am bound to be holding the National Openweight title. I am bound to be bringing the gold back to the Heart Foundation. Brian Pillman Jr. with Jonathan Hood on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. MLWTickets.com. MLWTickets.com is where you get your tickets. Saturday, 7 o'clock this Saturday at the Cicero Stadium uh, in Chicago for MLW Kings of Coliseum. Uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on the state of MLW? How is business, do you think? Uh, you know, I think business is pretty pretty wild right now. I think there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of struggle going on between, you know, the power, because everybody's trying to control this powerhouse of, of, of MLW. There's so many guys that got their hands in this, and, and everybody wants to get their hands on the new heart foundation of the company in the world. But the only company that has it, the only company that has the exclusivity of new heart foundation is MLW. And that's the thing. We're just, we're just a big ticking time bomb. And one of these moments, somebody's going to explode. Somebody's going to blow up. And it's going to be on an MLW pay-per-view. It's going to be on an MLW screen. Something's going to happen. Something that wasn't planned. Something that nobody expected. And it's going to shake the wrestling business. I'm not going to say I'm going to be the one to do it. I didn't say that. But hey, you know what? I follow my father's footsteps. I might make a might might be something I need to I need to say. It might be something I need to do to uh, create some buzz because. It's only going to get bigger from here. It can only get bigger from here. Where do we go from here? That's the question. Once we've reached such this pinnacle of, of, of entertainment, not only in, in, in the level of the matches that we're putting on, the high level of that, but in the level of nostalgia, the level of respect that we pay to this business, you know, how far can how far can we go? How far can MLW go to contain these wild animals that they're holding on to? So, like one of these days. 
you're going to see it. And MLW is going to witness it. It's going to be something great. And you're not going to want to miss this weekend because they've got Brian Tillman Jr. and Teddy Hart versus the Dynasty. And they've got us in a ladder match. And I've never been involved with ladders. I can tell you right now, Teddy Hart has. Teddy Hart is the master of ladders. And if I've got anybody in my corner with me to protect me from a ladder, I'm glad it's Teddy Hart. Brian, this is your first ladder match? Yes, it is. Wow. wow. Yes, sir. Wow. Ed, have you talked to Teddy about advice on how to survive a ladder match? Yes, he said, and I'll, I'll kind of quote him here. He said, Brian, you want to do, did you want to make your father proud? You got to go to the top of the ladder, Brian. <laughs> you can't be doing, you can't be doing this. It's not fast. Pussy put and shit. You got to go to the top. You got to go to the top and you got to show him that you can fly. <laughs> if you can fly, Brian, that'll make my heart sober. <laughs> that's how he said it. That's what he said. That's what so. he said. I might be going off the top. I might be doing something pretty crazy. <laughs> oh, but there's only one way to find out, and that means you got to tune into MLW. Yeah. It's Saturday. That, Chicago. Right. Cicero Stadium, the place that we always sell out. Over 2,000 people. Never a disappointment from the fans ever. <laughs> When you uh, when you watch your father's work in WCW or in the WWF back in the day, what's what stands out most about his work that you really loved? You know, just just uh, you know, I think you, you kind of said it earlier. Just, just knowing myself and knowing him and kind of connecting those dots. Um, you know, I, I get that question a lot, and it always kind of changes in my head, but. But like you said earlier, he was just, he's always having fun. You know, he's always out there. He's doing what he loves. And I can feel that too, because I walk around the house and I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling my dog and I'm wrestling my girlfriend. Luckily, she's a worker, but I'm wrestling around. I'm wrestling people at the gym. I'm always wrestling. I'm a wrestler, you know? So, so when I'm out there, I'm having fun. And it's because, you know what? I bet my dad was having fun too. You know, we're not out there. We're not out there overthinking it. We're not out there trying to over-strategize our opponents. Because we know that, you know, it's in my blood, you know. So I go out there and have fun and kick some ass. I think I'm going to come out on top. I just did this one day. Brian, there's got to be a, a story of you, Teddy, and Davey being out on the road. When you three are on the road, the Heart Foundation's on the road, there's got to be something that you got to tell us. It's got to be a story of you three, right? Oh yeah, well, I can't I can't spoil anything there because I don't know those those stories are are allowed to be said at this time. Maybe we'll wait till down the road when I'm old and gray. We can do a podcast. We'll talk about all the shenanigans. <laughs> but right now, we got to preserve the uh, we got to preserve, preserve the stockholders and keep them invested. So we don't want uh, to expose too much of our of our fun that goes on at MLW. <laughs> what, uh, what is this? Uh, everybody's got goals. We all have goals. Do you have something in mind that you haven't done yet that you really want to do? You know, I, I, uh, you know, for the biggest time, I, you know, I've always, I've never been a big, I've never been, a, uh, I've never been confident enough to, 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 to really say that I'm, uh, I put it this way. I look into this business, and I've always been looked at as uh, 
Pillman Jr., you know, Pillman's kid. So I want to get to that level of respect where I can hold a championship with all the respect in the world without it being compared to my father. We'll put it that way. Yeah. I guess does Davy and does Davy and Teddy all the way, you know? Yeah. Does Davy and Teddy feel the same? My colleagues. Mm -hmm. Does Davy and Teddy feel the same? Uh, you know, I think I think Davy and Teddy have had similar trials and tribulations as I have, maybe earlier on in their career. But I think where they've gotten at this point is just kind of looking towards the future. For me, is they've earned that respect, right? They've earned the respect to hold those belts without any shadow, without any demons haunting them, right? They, they've, they've done, they've paid their dues. You know, they've been all over the world. So I'm just now making my name. And as far as I'm concerned, it's working. Whatever we're doing, it's working. Whatever we're doing at MLW, it's gaining me the respect that I need to become the real champion that I am. I, I would like for you to just give me a scouting report on some of the other matches on the card. I mean, it's going to be a, a – I think it's a great card with the, the Hart Foundation against the, the Dynasty in a ladder match for the World Tag Team Championships. But your guy, Davey Boy Smith Jr. against Alex Hammerstone, I think that's going to be a great national open weight title match. Yeah, and uh, if anybody can do it, it can be, it can be, uh, it can be Harry. You know, see, my, you know, my biggest issue, uh, you know, I was perfectly prepared and strategized for, for Hammerstone. As you can see out there, during the match, I was in some of the best shape of my life going into that physically. I uh, just got back from England, so my technical wrestling was, was above all, uh, very high, very high level at that time. But uh, as you can see during the match, I went for an early pin ball, and I, I tried to I tried to steal it too soon. Tried to steal the match too soon, and that was a rookie mistake. Also, I took took a few too many risks, and uh, you know, took a dive to the outside, and and I think I think I beat myself in that match. I think I think I took a lot of risks being young and, and inexperienced and I beat myself when it came to Alex Anderson. Now when it comes to Davy Boy Smith Jr., I think that's a different story. I think that's a story of a man, of a wrestler that's very experienced, very grounded in his, in his offense and doesn't need to take the unnecessary risks, risks right? Right. Because he has the weight advantage, he has the power advantage on Hammerstone, where I didn't necessarily, you know, I might have been a little outweighed, a little outpowered in that matchup that I had to take those risks, if that makes sense. But that's, that's what you have to deal with when it's an open weight title, right? It's not it's not a middle weight. It's not a heavy weight. This is a no weight bar. This is a very, very extreme, very serious title that can only be held by the most properly executed uh, wrestler, right? Right. Like they have to take whatever their weight class is and do it to the fullest. And the bigger guys are just going to have an easier time. And that's just the way the cookie crumbles, you know what I mean? Yeah. The uh, the Von Erics against Contra, if if the Hart Foundation is the coolest faction, Contra seems like it's really the most dangerous. So Contra against the Von Erics, how do you see that unsanctioned match? Uh, yeah, that's one of those things where, unfortunately, the Von Erics are in tough, Tough water. Um, it, it, it's very unfortunate that they're not to be on that they just came into the company and uh, we're trying, you know, we're trying to build them up as, as kind of uh, in the same kind of 
ballpark is the Heart Foundation. You know, we're trying to show off that we are more than our legacies might entail. You know, and, and these guys have a huge opportunity within MLW to showcase what they really are worth. You know, they're not just the Von Eric's kids. You know, what we're all we're all a lot more than that. We have a lot to offer. But uh, I think this will be a huge test if they can make it through Contra. Because, hell, I don't even want to deal with Contra. <laughs> Those guys are just bad. Those guys are just some bad, bad men. And uh, if they can make it through Contra, then I'll have the, the, the greatest respect for them because that has got to be the greatest trial that anyone would ever have to face at any point in time ever. So um, I'm just counting my blessings that I don't have to have an unsanctioned match against Contra. Because at that point, if the match is unsanctioned and Contra's bringing out the things they're bringing out, I'm going to have to bring out the firearms. You know, I'm going to have to bring out the big guns. And I don't say that lightly, if you know what I mean. Oh, I do. Put it I... this way. I don't put it this way. I don't call 911. So, <laughs> you bring Contra into the mix? Well, I got a good friend his name's 9 millimeter. Yeah. And he, he wanted to be my tag team partner one time. I told him, not yet. <laughs> not yet. Time for that. Um, the world title uh, with Filthy Tom Lawler against Jacob Fatu, another member of Contra. This is this is going to be a very interesting match. I think Lawler's done a nice job really representing the company well as a heavyweight champion. What do you say? Yeah, and that's the thing. We need him to stay the champion. He, he, he solidifies. He legitimizes MLW. So uh, I'm definitely on his side. I'm definitely rooting for Tom Lawler, a big mentor, friend of mine. Uh, but as we've stated before, these guys don't play by the rules, right? You know, Bob Chu's not coming in there as a martial artist. He's not coming in there. He's not going to do anything that Tom is going to be able to predict. He's going to be doing things that are unpredictable. He's going to be very, very vicious and very anti-martial art, very sloppy by Tom's standards, and he's not going to be ready for it, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Lawler and Fatu. Yeah, Tom, Tom's going to be trying to read his body language and try to read the scenario, and Fatu's just going to be throwing curveballs left and right because that's just not how those guys fight, you know? Right. You never see a 250-pound man do a moonsault, you know, it's the craziest thing, and that's what Fatu does, you know, so you got to be ready for that, you got to be ready for physics to go out the window, because I don't know how the hell they do it. <laughs> so, again, uh, MLWTix.com is where you go for your tickets, it's going to take place this Saturday. MLW tickets, I mean, Jesus Christ, $10, Jesus, I might buy one just to say I did, because they're so cheap. <laughs> Cicero Stadium in I'm Chicago. Probably on, I'm probably on the ticket. So you hear a little picture of me? I'll sign it. You know what? You know. I don't even know why we're doing this because the last couple times they were sold out. So really, we should just be telling you guys to hurry up and get your tickets. Right. Because they're already going to be sold out. We don't even really need to sell anymore. <laughs> that's how fucking badass this is about to be. Shoot my language again. Move that out too. <laughs> MLW Kings of Coliseum get your tickets again it's going to be a hot crowd I will be there we want you to be there as well Brian uh, as always I, this has been my pleasure man I'm looking forward to Saturday in Chicago God bless you God bless you my friend thank you
great conversation with Brian Pillman Jr. for the MLW show that's going to take place at the Cicero Stadium in Chicagoland. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'll be there this Saturday night for MLW's TV taping. Kings of the Coliseum, it should be a lot of fun. There's a lot of things to talk about here, especially from last weekend's action. I'd like to remind you to keep, just follow us on Twitter, twitter.com, Wrestling TWT. Tell people about it, too. Don't be so selfish. Tell people about Wrestling TWT, where you can follow us on Twitter. The same thing as Instagram, Wrestling TWT. We have an Instagram, Instagram.com, Wrestling TWT. And, of course, our podcast, wherever you download your podcast, you can find Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Let me get into Fighter Fest for a moment because, you know, wrestling is odd. This is one of the reasons why that we're into it. We, we want to be entertained. We want to be excited about something in professional wrestling. This is why we watch, right? This is why we're fans. But wrestling can be very mercurial in several ways. One way I know for sure is that we can look at a chair shot that Cody Rhodes took and say, boy, that's dangerous. But yet a lot of us are connected to IWA Mid-South or some of these other independent organizations that will use light tubes and chairs and you know, crazy things and say, well, that's cool. <laughs> it's like it's very strange, the wrestling community, like, OK, something that's really, really dangerous and it could be death defying. That's cool, but the chair shot, oh, that's over the top because we are so, uh, we really know so much about CTE now when it comes to concussions. So here's why wrestling can be odd. You and I both know that we're watching a show. But also, I think a lot of us look at professional wrestling and feel, hey, you know what? We know we're watching a show, but don't tell us we're watching a show. You know, let us suspend disbelief. That's not what the Young Bucks did, because for those of you who did not see this, so Cody Rhodes takes on Darby Allen, and after the match, the old Ty Dillinger, Sean Spears, comes in and waylays Cody Rhodes with a chair. Cody Rhodes is busted open. You can see it in, in, in his hair, in the back of his head. So he's bleeding. He had to have staples, no concussion, but he had to have staples put in his head after that chair shot. And people were really, really concerned for Cody and people are saying, you know, shouldn't have these unprotected chair shots, all these kind of things. Well, listen, I've been watching wrestling for a long time. I've seen unprotected chair shots, protected chair shots. All of it's dangerous, all of it. But Cody Rhodes and Sean Spears and probably Darby Allen and everybody else uh, at AEW felt at the time that this is the right thing to do to try to get Sean Spears over as a dangerous individual. Well, here's what I'm talking about with, as far as suspending disbelief. 12 staples to the back of the head. That should be the story. But the Young Bucks after Fighter Fest want to tell you about what happened from their point of view. Listen. But, but even the visual of it, uh -huh. uh, is there any process that you guys take in determining okay, oh yeah that was all that was all cody's idea uh i think i said i didn't even know what happened to be honest uh, all i know is he did get staples so i, I 12 staples i'm gonna have to look right, back right. and uh yeah. i'll have a comment on it later so i don't even know but yeah. i do know that they gimmicked the chair and it clearly didn't work right because he yeah. was bloody so i don't know yeah really 
They gimmicked the chair. These guys are vice presidents of the company. Why even let the media in on what they did? Now, listen, you and I both know that the chair was supposed to be gimmicked, but why say that out front? This is why wrestling could be kind of strange, right? You and I both know what goes into the process because there's been so many wrestlers and people behind the scenes that have told us what goes into the process of trying to start an angle or when there's a chair shot, what's supposed to happen, what needs to be safe, what needs to really resonate with the audience. Why would the Young Bucks, a couple of guys that are front and center in the company, tell the media and tell us, oh, well, the, the chair was supposed to be gimmicked. The chair was supposed to be gimmicked, so I don't know what happened there. I didn't really see what happened. Really? I don't think that that's something that you and I need to hear out front. Listen, you and I both know there's no Santa Claus. <laughs> but when we see him, we're in on it. Like, oh, there's Santa Claus. So it's the same thing with the gimmick chair. Why tell people that it was a gimmick chair and something that went wrong? Just weird. It's very strange. Cody Rhodes going to that um, draw with Darby Allen was one of the best matches on Fighter Fest. But here's the thing that I have a disconnect with. Darby Allen was taking a lot of bumps. I think he got himself over. I think Cody Rhodes, one of the few times, by the way, that Cody Rhodes is the bigger man in a match. That was a little bit of a, I got thrown off by that a little bit because you usually see Cody as a smaller man, but Cody was bigger than Darby Allen, and Darby Allen took a lot of bumps, a lot of unnecessary bumps, but he got himself over. I thought that it was, it told a great story. Here's the thing that was not emphasized. Let me get to the announcing. You know that I've had Jim Ross on this podcast and a lot of my platforms for a long time. Jim Ross was with Excalibur and um, Golden Boy. I believe that was a three-man booth. At Fighter Fest, I don't know who Golden Boy is. Um, my, I have a problem with Cody Rhodes wrestling to a time limit draw, and it's not being expressed by the announcers. Without even asking Jim, without even texting Jim, I'm going to assume that that was his finish, because how often have you heard on the Ross report or in interviews that Jim has done, will say, "What's wrong with a draw? What's wrong with a draw? Why can't he have a, a draw?" Because that tells a story too. And so it does not surprise me if this is Jim's finish where he wanted to see a time limit draw. Yeah, people were like, yeah, I want five more minutes, five more minutes, because we don't see draws in the United States very often. And maybe you see it in New Japan some, but you don't see it in America very often. So the story was, man, Darby Allen lasted 20 minutes or whatever the hell it was with Cody Rhodes. It was not emphasized in the broadcast, which brings me to the broadcast. And I tweeted this out at Wrestling TWT on Saturday night. Dude, somebody's got to do play-by-play and somebody's got to do color. And I don't understand why Excalibur is doing almost 80% of the play-by-play. There are so many moves. This is the first time I think I've said this. There are so many moves that have names that are not the finish in 2019. I, mean, I don't care if you're watching ROH, I don't care if you're watching MLW, I don't care if you're, you're watching uh, some of these other uh, promotions around the country and around the world. There are so many names, like this is this move, this is this move, this move, but none of it's a finish. <laughs> none, uh, Excalibur knows every move of all of these wrestlers, but none of them are the finish move. It's always the names of these other things. Now, I don't think everything needs to have a name, but clearly 
these wrestlers have been able to put the time in to to execute these moves and put a name on it. It's cool. But I, I just think that if Jim Ross is the play-by-play man, Jim Ross needs to be able to tell that story and to be able to accentuate the high spots in these matches instead of the color analyst. I don't I don't understand this booth. I don't get it. And and I don't know, maybe Ross and Excalibur needs to be the one-two. I don't know who. And Golden Boy was fine. I think he was fine too. But you can't have three guys doing play-by-play. I'll tell you this one quick story. I was a play-by-play announcer for several local promotions uh, in the Chicagoland area. And um, I was working with a guy. And I said, okay, let's do this uh, commentary and, and here, let's lay out the matches and let's talk about it. And as I start talking about like, hey, all right, uh, so-and-so wrestler has someone in a side headlock and it takes them over. And then the, the guy I'm working with starts doing all the play-by-play. And I'm like, wait, you're here to do color. You can't do my job and yours. I mean, and that's something that WWE does a great job of. If, not, if nothing else, you know who's doing play-by-play and you know who's being able to lock in the color. Whether or not you like the color analyst of you know, Corey Graves or, or some of the other people that um, that work in the WWE, at least the roles are defined. AEW needs to find out who's going to do play-by-play and who's going to do color. Because to me, it's confusing. And, and we, we, we hear a little bit of the story, and then we're hearing about a million different moves and a million miles an hour, and nobody's getting over from the broadcast booth. Nobody's getting over. And, and you know, as far as trying to tell great stories about the wrestlers, I don't, I don't get that. But anyway, so then we get to Moxley and Janela. That was the main event at Firefest, and uh, that was crazy. That was, but it was a good crazy. <laughs> John Moxley feels like he's finally just reborn. He feels good. And Joey T- Janela is just like other matches I've seen, will just do the craziest things and take the craziest bumps. And um, the crowd chanting, You sick fuck, you sick fuck. And it's just like, Wow, it was amazing. It, really, <laughs> it was a, a bump fest. And I thought that it was, uh, it was fun. Don't mess with John Moxley. That was my takeaway from that. That was great. Um, I, I love uh, the Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks against the Lucha Brothers and Laredo Kid. A lot of spots there. Um, and there's so much of a wink to Fighter Fest. Um, you know, as far as so many people that are gamers that were there, I think that they enjoyed it too. I don't think it was so inside that it was um, it was a turnoff. I thought that it was great to see all six of those guys in the ring because you knew they were going to tear the house down. I just thought that it was it was very good, very well done. Um, I look at uh, Hangman Page against MJF, Jimmy Havoc, Jungle Boy. You know, as, as good a match as I thought it was going to be. I thought that, he, he, once again, the promo is better than the match. MJF starts off and he just starts talking about all the nerds in attendance and getting heat and all that kind of stuff and mocking Bret Hart. And all that, just all of it's good. MJF is terrific. Here's the thing I wonder about Maxwell J. Friedman, and he's going to be on this uh, MLW show coming up on Saturday as well. Here's a guy here that's setting the independent world on fire. All these other companies that he goes to, setting it on fire. Um, MJF does an A plus 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 heel promo. Does MJF work? As far as trying to get heat in 2019, when so many people are defiant, they're like, yeah, you know what? You can talk about me because you know what? You're right. 
can he resonate with the audience as a whole? Not just, you know, a little card here in Hammond, Indiana, a little card here in Boise, Idaho, a little card here in suburban Los Angeles. Can he be, is he able to garner heat, the kind of heat he's looking for in 2019? In 1985, that guy would have had all of his his window smashed out of his car, every rental car he's ever had. He, he'd have to look over his shoulder if he was in Puerto Rico, if he was in uh, Mid-Atlantic, if he was in Dallas, if he was in uh, even in New York in the WWF t- days. He would have to look over his shoulder. I know he's looking for that kind of heat, but can that kind of heat resonate with a wrestling audience of 2019? That's the question I would have. I mean, not just in small cards as a whole for a big company like AEW or wherever else he's going to wrestle. Does it work? That's the big question. So I thought that um, I thought that Fighter Fest was very it was good. It was not great. Obviously, the stuff beforehand, so the buy-in, Nako, the Nakazawa, and uh, this other guy that wasn't in the buy-in. I just I don't understand. I don't understand why that was on television. There's been a lot of silly matches and like radio DJs versus managers from the past that was never on pay-per-view. Man Cow's been in the ring, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I think there's a lot of room for that before you turn the cameras on. This should have not been on television. This hardcore match for the part of the buy-in, Alex Jabaley. And Nakazawa, I don't understand why that was on television. Keep in mind, you may like that silly shit, and that's fine. But I think that when you are trying to sell a new wrestling audience into what you're doing, saying, hey, you know, we're, we're a brand new company. Here's a, a free event for United States viewers on BR Live. You want to be able to on your best face and it's almost if you go back to that young bucks press conference it's almost like oh you know we gotta be more serious uh when we have our show uh, in august and all we gotta be more serious when we get to turner so we can't do that being being the elite stuff and they almost seem disappointed the librarian gimmick that did not work with a bigger audience peter avalon and leva bates that didn't work against Allie. They tried to shush the audience. It works in a, I've seen it work in a smaller venue. It did not work in Daytona. <laughs> it didn't work at all. That library gimmick is bad in front of a big audience. And this is, this is the difference between working a small independent and working an uh, uh, event with a big crowd. Yeah, that didn't, that was very lukewarm at best. Um, so that was just, that was interesting. So, I look at this company with AEW, and I'm not trying to be completely old school because even though I've been watching this stuff since the late 70s, I understand that wrestling changes. There's It always evolves. And I just believe that when I'm watching AEW, if AEW, the way we see it now, the last couple of shows, if that's going to be on Turner, it's not going to last long. Because what what really separates yourself from the WWE is when you're able to just present wrestling, have the best promos, have the best wrestling, have the best angles, have the best personalities, and let them shine. 
that's how you're going to beat the WWE and not and not beat them saying you're going to be on Monday nights or you're going to be on Friday nights when SmackDown. It's not that's not the goal. The goal is to be able to put up a, your best representation of professional wrestling. That's what AEW needs to do. And um, so I, I look forward to seeing the next shows uh, for AEW because, yes, it's still new and fresh, but I look forward to seeing how the angles evolve and move forward. That's the thing that's so uh, important to me. Um, Eric Bischoff is going to be part of the SmackDown crew. He's going to be heading up SmackDown just like Paul Heyman is with Raw. We did that on our special. If you haven't listened to that, go back to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I did like an emergency podcast when that story came out last Monday. Uh, Eric Bischoff talked about uh, how he is now involved with uh, SmackDown, going back to the WWE, and apparently he's going to live in Connecticut. This is from 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff. Well, it's not rumor and innuendo at this point. It's fact. Uh, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you. I'm overwhelmed with the support and the positive response that I got on social media after WWE made the announcement that I'll be joining the team and, and getting involved with SmackDown. The, the amount of response I got, I knew it was going to be, I knew I'd get response. I knew it'd probably be a lot, but I was absolutely overwhelmed by the nature of that response and how positive it was and just the sheer volume of it all. I think people are really excited. I, I, I want to let everybody know um, the magnitude of this opportunity and the challenge and the commitment that goes along with it is not lost on me. You know, there, there's been a couple times over the last few days where I've been driving around on my truck or taking my dog for a hike and going, wow, this this may be the, it's not maybe, this is the biggest opportunity I've ever had in this industry. Granted, you know, when, when Bill Shaw may be, you know, president of WCW, obviously that was a very, very big moment, but I was learning on the job there. You know, I was taking, I had nothing to lose there. I was taking a, a, a company in WCW that had never had a turned a dollar of profit. That was a, such a distant number two to WWF at that time that we weren't even really number two. A company that was fraught with a bad history and you know all kinds of internal issues. So I had nothing to lose. And in this situation, you know, this is an entirely different ball game here. This is a very sophisticated company in WWE. There is a great team already in place i mean they're moving their you know the smackdown show to fox network which is going to obviously have a lot of eyeballs on it in every way so the magnitude of the opportunity is not lost to me but i i said this in a tweet this is probably the only thing i'm really going to say beyond this is i'm and i mean this i mean I almost get a tear in my eye saying it i'm honored i'm humbled and i i cannot express even here because this is a different kind of excitement for me. I haven't felt this way, maybe in forever, but for at least 20 years. This is a whole different, whole different ball game. And I'm, I honestly, Lori and I, and the, my dog Nikki, we're gonna load up our truck, and we're heading out to Stanford, probably on the 10th or 11th of July. We're, I mean, literally, we're going out there with the clothes on our back and some of it in boxes, and we're starting over from scratch. And I, so the thoughts there from Eric Bischoff. So he's moving to Connecticut and he is going to preside over SmackDown. I don't know what that means. 
as long as Vince McMahon has a heartbeat, it's still going to be his way. Unless, unless there's something going on internally with WWE. And I will talk to you about that in our next episode of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Um, Because there are some theories that have been floated around that maybe you heard, maybe you have not heard. So we will... uh, We'll get into that in our next episode. But as I mentioned in our emergency podcast, again, you can go back and hear my thoughts about Heyman and and Bischoff overseeing Raw and SmackDown, respectively. Uh, it's you remember who Eric Bischoff is, and the resume speaks for itself. Had some success with WCW, did turn a profit, did turn things around. But then there's a lot of things that he let slip through the cracks. He was with TNA, had a say in TNA. His idea was to be able to have a faction, just like it was in WCW. And they, the TNA at one point had some of the greatest talent in the world at that time, young and old, veterans and young cats, and they still could not turn a profit. They still did not have enough good ideas to help that company be on the same footing as a WWE, even close to it. They still were a distant second because of some of their ideas. Not all, but some of their ideas kept TNA down. And a lot of that was on Eric Bischoff. And now he's back in the WWE. Why is this happening? We'll get into that a little bit later on. A disappointing crowd for ROH Best in the World. I only saw some of it because of my work schedule. I got to watch the rest of it during the 4th of July holiday. But Baltimore is a great wrestling city. And that, I don't know if I expected to sell out, but I thought it would be a little bit better crowd at the um, Maryland-Baltimore County Arena uh, for ROH. ROH still provides some great wrestling action. They're always consistent when it comes to that. And I thought that this pay-per-view was good, not great. Uh, But their wrestling action is always steady. But I thought that on a Friday night for a pay-per-view, the ROH would be a little bit bit hotter crowd, maybe a little bit better action. But it's always very good, but it wasn't great. So... ROH has still got some work to do, clearly. Um, and uh, they've always got terrific athletes coming across the, the country uh, from New Japan, uh, from the independent ranks. So it's always an interesting watch with ROH. Uh, so as I mentioned to you, we will uh, have another Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday next Tuesday. Uh, that show will also not be on ESPN 1000 because... I will not have a show on ESPN 1000 the 9th because it's All-Star Weekend for Major League Baseball. But you know what? That's why we have the podcast. So make sure that you subscribe. That way you never miss an episode of a Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday right here. And please tell people about it. Do not be selfish. Tell people about Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, please, because we are building something special. If you see who I'm following, I'm following people from across the country uh, and around the world that love professional wrestling in the UK, um, and of course in the United States, Canada, and other places as well. So I hope that uh, you get a chance to follow along Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. And uh, don't forget, it's on Instagram as well, instagram.com slash wrestling T W T. Let me check my list here. 
Viderfest. Let's see, ROH, Eric Bischoff, and our interview with uh, Brian Pillman Jr. <laughs> He's great. I hope to have him on again. All right, my friends, thanks so much for listening, and let's do it again next Tuesday. Another edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Talk to you soon. And now a little mid-Atlantic for you. Here we go.